All right, y'all, it's been a long time. This is LaShanta with Talk Sexy to Me, and I am so happy that you all are here. You guys have been listening, and you guys have been enjoying the shows, and I'm really excited about today's show. Today's show, I'm going to be talking to a really good friend of mine, Carrie. Carrie and I will be talking about what it looks like to keep that spark going and that intimacy alive while trying to conceive a child using IVF or IUI. Um, A little bit about Carrie. Carrie is a retired hairstylist turned business coach. She works with women who are raising not only babies, but businesses. And her vision is to help recreate what it looks like to parent and be a business owner. Because guess what? Carrie has two beautiful girls, one the age of four and the other one one. And she is working it y'all so I'm so happy to be able to share her and her message today and I hope this not only teaches someone but it helps someone on their journey all right let's get started Thank you all for joining me today. Today, I have Carrie with me. I'm so excited that Carrie is here. Hello, Carrie. Hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. I don't know how long we've talked about this. I'm so excited to finally be doing this with you. Oh, so it's it's really funny. I'm going to let Carrie introduce herself here in a minute but even though Carrie and I discussed that we were going to do something together you guys I kind of freaked about asking her um you know if if she would actually participate in the podcast and I'm so happy she said yay so Carrie tell the folks a little bit about yourself okay well um let's see I don't even know where to begin really I am well, first and foremost, I am a mama. Um, I have two littles, um, four and almost one. It makes me so sad. She's being so oh big. Oh my gosh, I can't believe she's almost one already. <sighs> Girl, you and me both. I know it. I just don't know where the time has gone. Um, I've actually recently retired. I was um, a hairstylist for the first um, 16 years of my working life. And mm-hmm. so I am now a stay-at-home mom full-time. Um, but I'm also working from home as well. I am um, a business coach. I love working with women to recreate what they think a working mom looks like. So they don't have to stick with the status quo of what, you know, other people deem that works for them or even with the patriarchy, patriarchy, the patriarchy thinks um, that it should look like, you know, we're able to redefine and create the reality that we live in. You know, that's pretty amazing. Um, I know myself, you know, the the whole work-life balance was hard for me. And, st- you know, it's still kind of hard. I remember, you know, I don't know if you remember, but last year I did a lot of traveling. I was gone like once a month. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, during that traveling, um, I was actually facilitating support groups. And unfortunately, <laughs> They actually make you sit in on a support group and, you know, talk about yourself. Mm-hmm. And one of those things where one of the, one of, what is one of the biggest things that you struggle with? And mine was always work life parent balance. Like I mm-hmm. had not out. It's like, okay, I want to parent all the time, but if I'm 
you know, just paranoid all the time. We ain't going to eat either. Yes, so, I know. <laughs> so, you know, I really just had to kind of figure that out. So I'm really happy that that's something that you got into. I was really excited when you launched your coaching business. I was like, yes, finally somebody gets it. Yeah, it is hard. And honestly, I hate the word balance. I feel like um, the word balance just it makes everything feel like there's a tipping point. Right. Like oh, I just think of yeah. Lady Justice, you know, she's got these even scales and I feel like balance makes it feel like you have to put equal energy into every single avenue of life. And and really, that's just not that's not possible. You know, like maybe there are some days where you're in a really good flow and things are working, but then usually shit hits the fan. Oh, so I can't say that. Sorry. <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> Let me tell you, we cut. OK, OK. All right, good. Um, I just caught myself going, oh, maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's, you know, there are days where, you know, things just don't work that way. And, you know, you have to just kind of come to this agreement with yourself of like, you know what? I cooked lunch today and everybody is alive. So I've success. Yeah. I've successfully yeah. been a parent today. Um, and I wrote one, you know, social media blast and I responded to two people. So I'm a successful business owner today. Like <laughs> You have to give yourself grace. Knowing that there's no perfect balance. That's definitely a win. And I'm glad that you you even bring up that point about balance. Um, because, you know, I spent a long time in network marketing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll get involved with people that are like, no, you can't do more than one thing. Because then you can't, you know, you can't focus on this one thing. And I'm like, I'm a multitasker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't worry I'm gonna figure this out you know well and I think in some ways it's not even multitasking it's just multi-passionate you know it's it's hard to be passionate about just one thing you know most women we have several different interests you know like I'm a complete young adult novelist fanatic like you give me a good vampire romance story and I'm gonna read it um (laughs) (laughs) but that doesn't mean that I'm gonna spend all my time doing that right we just we have we're all multifaceted you know we don't have just one passion yeah that's that's good multi-passionate I like that verbiage change (laughs) for sure um because honestly for me I get bored super easily Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah me too it's like romance you gotta keep it funky all the time right you gotta (laughs) you gotta exactly if you're not bringing something in to keep it fresh and exciting like what's what's, what are you living for right exactly (laughs) all right so keep going (laughs) (laughs) so we know a little about um a little bit about you and um the reason that I invited Carrie to speak on the podcast is because um Carrie uh went through trying to conceive her first little person, Miss Nora. Mm-hmm. And can you just tell me what that looked like for you and the husband? Yeah. I mean, it looked like a lot of different things, really. I mean, when I'll give you a little bit of background. So we were together for seven, six years before he proposed. We were together another okay. year and a half before we got married. So we were already in a really committed relationship. So we, in full transparency, hadn't used protection in forever beyond the pill. And even then, I was always really terrible at remembering to take it. Um, 
And so we never had a pregnancy scare. So when I was 26, a year, 26, 27, a year after we got married um, and we had been given up, you know, the good old college try, um, nothing was happening. I just kind of had like an intuitive hit that this isn't going to happen on its own. Um, I just kind of felt it in my bones that we needed to seek medical help. Um, okay. You know, and in some ways it was more like, I don't know, I've always been really dutiful with, you know, prayer and staying really spiritual and open to the divine and wanting to allow God to give, um, you know, miracles. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of mad, you know, like I had this idea that, you know, we were going to get pregnant, we we're going to have babies and everything's going to be rainbows and butterflies. And I was kind of like giving a big old middle finger, you know, going like, screw you. Like you want me to go more than my ha- my share of halfway. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just going to prove to everybody, you included, that this isn't going to be work. This isn't going to work for us. Mm-hmm. And, well, you know, that's society tells you that all of those things are supposed to align and just fall in place, right? And everything is supposed yeah. to be all rainbows and sprinkles and unicorns. Yeah. And in reality, oftentimes it's not. Right. And I really wish that there had been more of this conversation when I was going through it because I was really one of the only people I knew at the time going through any kind of fertility treatments. Um, oh. I later, as I was going through it and was talking about it, because I've always been an open book, I, you know, heard more and more people's stories. And I was like, oh, so I'm not so alone. And I knew I wasn't in like the traditional sense because the, the clinic was always super busy. The doctor never really had appointments available at any last minute. So I knew a lot of people were seeking help. But it was like a secret, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like nobody was talking about it. And it was really kind of, it kind of put this label of shame on it. Like, are we not yeah. supposed to talk about it? Um, this is something that's happening in my life and it's all consuming all of my energy and all of my money and all of my relationship <laughs> to go through this. So why aren't we talking about it? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Y'all understand that tremendously. Um, you know, same, same with me, you know, you know, you know, my story with postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, like what in the world is going on? Clearly it's only me going through this, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I ain't heard a whole talk about it. But then when you actually start looking into things, you're like, oh, wait, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's a whole whole bunch of us out here. Why are we not having these conversations? Right. Which is partly why I wanted you here, because I know, you know, just based off conversations that I've had with friends that are going through the same thing are like, what am I supposed to do? Um, You know, it's. It's either A, financially draining, you know, B, they somewhere along the line are like, I'm not really feeling my spouse right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was, um, both of those are actually are really good points. And, and that was something that we both experienced as well. Like there were plenty of times when we were going through, or when we decided to go through treatment and you know, we're talking with the doctors, Dave never came with me to any of my appointments. And Mm, I don't know if it was a lack of, like, knowledge that made him nervous or scared. um, Or if he just felt like I'm strong, and I can handle it. And and I can. um, And I did. But there were several times I wish he had been there just to hear the information coming from the doctor. 
Um, so yeah, so we definitely took a hit and especially in the romance department, you know, you don't feel sexy when you feel like things are your fault or you feel ashamed for things or, um, or even just a lack of communication and trust. Like, you know, for women, this is something that one of my girlfriends told me a while back that she learned was, you know, for women to really get in the mood, you know, there's got to be this beneficial conversation because most women really connect through the mind first and then we do our bodies. So we need to have this kind of emotional connection and not just, you know, talk dirty to me or talk sexy to me. Hey, I said it. Um, But just that, like, I see you, I hear you, and I love you kind of conversation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, it was just different. You know, we went through, uh, we went through IUI first, which is interuterine insemination. Okay, Um, I was going to ask. I was like, okay, let's back up a little bit. What type of treatment, you know? Yeah. So we did, yeah. So we did IUI. um, And that's basically where the, the male partner goes in, um, gives a sperm sample. They spin it, they clean it, make sure that there's only like the best, the best of the best swimmers going in. Um, And, and, in the best layman's terms I can give you, they turkey based you. So you just, you go in, um, about like an hour after the the partner goes in you lay down on the table they insert it into the uterus like directly into the uterus um, and then you lay there for 15-20 minutes um, until you can get up and go um, there okay. is a, if I can remember correctly I know they do track this around your cycle so you do shots you do a lot of blood work to make sure that you're ovulating so that way you do at least the, the protocol I went through um, was we would go in one day, let's say we went on a win, we went on a Monday, did the insemination, we would skip Tuesday, we would go in on Wednesday. So you would get two tries out of one payment. Okay. Okay. Those are usually your fertile days once you ovulate. Uh-huh. Um, so we did that twice. And if memory serves, that was around 5000 each time. Um, because that's, you know, um, lab fees, <laughs> doctor fees, medications, um, all the things that go along with it. And thank goodness we did have some savings and we were able to pay for that um, over, t- over time. We were able to pay that off, pay that out. So uh, is that, don't mind me asking, is this, is it all private pay? Are there like any insurance options? You know, it really depends Which- on your insurance. My, our, and I actually had amazing insurance at this time. Like I was paying private insurance because I've always been self-employed. Um, so mm-hmm. I had my own insurance policy. And, and I remember this was um, five, six, almost six years ago. So I had, I had really good insurance. Um, and I, mine did not cover any fertility. Okay. So oh. there are some, I know several people that have like have insurance policies that it does cover like 50 to 80% or sometimes more of their fertility treatment. So some wow. people get really lucky and um, have that amazing ability. Um, wow. Yeah. So for us after the IUI did not work, um, you know, I was talk- going through more testing with the doctors to see what was going on with me and they never could give us a reason. They just kept saying like, you're, fallopian tubes look sickly they're narrow and they don't look like they're nice the nice big rounded shape that we're looking for so when we go in and do your next surgery to scope things out and to clear out your uterus and to make sure your fallopian tubes are open we might have to do a ligation what yeah now mind you i'm 29 
and I don't have my partner with me. And I hear these words and I've been so brave up until this point. And I'm like choking back tears. And I'm like, and the doctor was like, do you understand? I'm like, I do understand. I have to process this. And she was like, okay. She's like, well, we'll get you scheduled for your next, you know, I I think it was a laparoscopy. So we were just going to go in through the belly button, check things out, see what was going on. And Mm -hmm. um, I had like a week to really think about it before my next surgery. So that was really scary. And, you know, I talked to Dave about it. Of course, he didn't, like, he understands and he gets it. And he's a very, um, he's a Pisces. You know, he's very, um, he's very laid back. And and not and not passive aggressive in like a mean way but like he doesn't if he doesn't know what to say he's just not going to say anything he's just not going to say anything yeah right. yeah so he doesn't really know what to say or how to handle it so he just gave me a hug and was like it's okay we'll figure it out and left it alone and you know for me being a Sagittarius I'm like no I need the, all the conversation I need all the <laughs> affirmations I need you to acknowledge the shit out of me right now um <laughs> cancer I would have been like what do you mean uh-huh yeah right yeah so it was really an interesting time and so when we went into the doctor I was already coming coming to the conclusion that if we had to do it we had to do it so I told the doctor before we went in I was like just promise me that if you have to do a ligation that you'll only do the side that you have to and if you have to do it full I would rather you just take out the ovaries or not take out those I'd rather you just take them out don't do the ligation just take it out Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I was like and leave an ovary or two if you can because I don't want to go through menopause you know at, at 30 <laughs> she was like she was like okay I understand um so thank goodness we went through that they did not have to do the ligation she said it just looked worse than the sonogram than it did you know and when they actually got in there um so praise Jesus for that um so yeah and then IVF started <laughs> which is a whole other crazy part of my story Oh, okay. So why is that part the 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 crazy part of your story, the IVF? Uh, uh, yeah. So if I mean, if some of your followers are probably, um, you know, know about IVF or either experienced themselves or know people that have experienced it. Um, so in vitro fertilization is um, it's a pretty strenuous process. Okay. Um, so there's at least my protocol. This is not the same across the board. This can be different per person. Um, but I was at the doctor's office three days a week, giving blood and doing vaginal ultrasounds. So they could check the ovaries, see if they are producing, um, producing eggs, what size they were and getting those measured every week or every few days. Wow. Behind the scenes, I was giving myself well, I should say Dave was giving me shots because I couldn't do it myself, giving me shots every single day. So I had to take shots every day in the stomach and in the hip um, every day. And oh my so then we would go into the doctor's office, check all those out. Um, this was just to harvest the eggs. So they literally harvest your eggs. And this was so crazy because it happened to be on Easter Sunday that my eggs were ready to be retrieved. Um, my doctor thought that was pretty funny. Um, but she said that there's no, they don't take days off because your body does not go by a holiday schedule. So if it happened to be on Christmas day, we would be in there doing it. Wow. Um, So we went into the doctor's or went into the, um, surgery center. Um, and thank goodness I didn't have any crazy symptoms or anything that happened 
for the egg retrieval, but they were able to retrieve 24 eggs off my ovaries, which later I found out that's kind of a lot. Um, it doesn't uh, yeah. happen a whole lot. So, wow. so yeah, that's just to retrieve them. And then um, Dave went in and gave a sample again, and they did the whole, um, like, uh, you know, they, they take all the good ones out, all the best swimmers, the best size, all mm-hmm. those things. And then they inject those directly into each em- or each um, egg to create an embryo. Okay. It kind of gives it the best chance. Now, this was my, our protocol. There are some that will just put the swimmers into the same petri dish as the um, egg, and um, let it fertilize itself. Find a way. Um, well, let them find their way, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so the particular place I went to, they um, inserted it with a like a super tiny microscopic needle, if you can believe it. Like they insert the sperm into the egg. I mean, if you can just think about how small that is to begin with, like it just blows my mind. <laughs> So my question is, with all of this going on, how did you guys, were you all able to remain intimate and sexually active or did that take a toll? Did all of this take a toll? Oh, yeah. I mean, it took a both of us. Um, You know, Dave knew like that my injection sites were sore. That I probably wouldn't be feeling really good. I was gaining weight and bloated from all the hormones I was taking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't feel sexy at the least. Um, uh, okay. And, you know, he did what, you know, any man would do, you know, love on me and tell me how beautiful I was and that he loved me no matter what and, you know, how strong and, you know, gave me all the, all, said all the right things, but it didn't change the fact that I didn't feel super great. Yeah, that's um, what I'm going to say. Now those great those things are amazing to hear mm-hmm. you know as a woman we generally have to feel them right it's like I hear For what sure. you're saying you know but yeah. I'm not feeling my best um I want to just you were talking about doing the the ultrasound were those mm-hmm. uh you said you were being pro were they they were vaginal ultrasound yes like, Okay, so yeah, one of, um, you know, a, a friend of mine was kind of going through the same thing. And she said, you know, the hardest thing for me was to not associate, um, you know, my partner's penis with mm-hmm. the ultrasound probe. Mm-hmm. And she said that, you know, that was always kind of a mental block for her. Mm-hmm. Because she always felt like it, it was work. Like we were, it, it was a process. Yeah. So, you know, did, did you experience that at all? Did you? You know, not in so many words, but honestly, I can see how that would have totally affected because, you know, going in for the ultrasound, because it is vaginal for a very long time. Um, mm-hmm. You're just going in, taking off your pants, laying on a table and letting them do their thing. And it does feel really clinical. So... Mm-hmm. Once you've done that, you know, at the doctor's office earlier that day and you've been cleaning out, you know, whatever kind of lube they use on those, you know, machines, cleaning that yeah. out of your parts all day long. The last thing you want to do is come home and feel sexy um, yeah. or last thing you do is feel sexy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I can see that. I don't know that I've really thought of it that way, but for sure it is very clinical and um, it feels very sterile and clean and not like yeah. a fun sexy thing like it was like it used to be 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, she said, you know, for her, it was it was kind of, you know, like and and, you know, my heart just kind of dropped when she said it because she was like having this baby became work. Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know how everybody makes the joke out of, oh, I do have fun practicing, mm -hmm. you know, have tons of fun practicing. She said she like that stage was long gone. There was no fun. There was no practice. It was like, let's go in. Let's get this done. Let's try to figure out what our next steps are. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, you know, financially, it, it, it kind of, um, bothered them as well you know oh, because yeah. these treatments are really expensive which is why I was asking mm -hmm. is there a way to get it covered by insurance yeah man yeah I mean some some insurance does and honestly there's several different clinics that offer different loans that you can take and and we, okay. we looked at different options and um, some of the loans were um you know I like a 15 percent APR and oh. I'm like, I just can't imagine taking out a $30,000 loan with a 15% interest rate on it. Oh, wow. Like, when will I be able to pay that off? And so I was wow. like, well, maybe we could take out a second mortgage. Like, what would our bank say? So I called the bank and they did one, um, but we didn't own our house long enough at the time. But they were okay. also at 11% interest. I'm like, okay, well, better than the credit card company or better than this company they suggested we go through. So mm -hmm. we ended up having to be self-funded. Um, only by the grace of God did we not go into um, bankruptcy. Um, mm -hmm. But my parents actually very graciously, um, each my, my parents are divorced. So each of them ended up giving us $5,000 at different times. Um, oh. They just gave it to us once. But it, that was enough to cover... Um, our medications. It didn't cover the doctor's offices and all that stuff, but at least it covered a medication. So, oh my you know, goodness, all this time we're talking about these numbers. I'm just thinking five thousand flat, right? For, for I'm I'm not even oh, no. considering. I know you you talked about medications and things like that. I'm I totally just lumped it all into one fee. Yeah, no, oh. the it's. Like so, the IUI was around ten thousand total because it was about five thousand each try, um, mm. and then, then with in vitro it was around the same. So, um, the most expensive part was doing the egg fertilization or doing the egg harvesting and fertilization. Um, mm -hmm. That was the most expensive to start with, um, because the the drugs were more expensive, um, but also there was a lot more lab fees that went involved with that. And then the actual transfers weren't as expensive um, because that was, they kind of included a lot of things together. Um, but still, I mean, I think roundabout when we were all said and done, I think we spent $33,000 on trying to conceive. Mm. So that took a major hit. <laughs> so, how, how long, when you all first started the process until little Miss Nora said, all right, I'm coming. <laughs> um, so we did I think it was from the time we can or the time we started trying to the time she was born was two years okay so okay. yeah so I mean a, a while but not as long as some people thank goodness okay. but um so she was our third IVF transfer okay so wow. um yeah oh. so she was we did two eggs at a time 
Um, the first transfer was a fresh, they called a fresh transfer because they're not frozen embryos. Um, mm-hmm. So that was our first try. That one did not, that one did not last or work at all. Um, just started my cycle like normal the next month. The second transfer was a frozen transfer. Those, for whatever reason, seem to, at least through studies, have shown to have a better success rate. So our frozen transfer, we did conceive. And then we miscarried at 10 weeks. Um, So that kind of sucked having to tell people. And, you know, it's weird. Like, um, being being a yes ma'am and a people pleaser that I am, Mm-hmm. Tell, me, tell me how messed up this is. I felt like the jackass telling people we weren't pregnant anymore. Aww. Isn't that weird? Like, you know, no. when somebody would say like, oh, how's it going? I'm like, oh, I'm good. Everything's great. I'm like, oh, how are you feeling? I'm like, I've been good. Thank you for asking. I'm like, well, how's the baby? I'm like, oh, I'm, I, I'm not pregnant. And they're like, oh my God. And they feel awful. And I feel rude for like making them feel bad. I'm like, tell me this isn't so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> you're like no, okay. like you find, you find yourself consoling them yes. oh I've been there girl yes. no oh it's fine like we're gonna yeah. get through this yeah exactly exactly so I just I and it was yeah it was bizarre and crazy I had to work through a lot of stuff on that one but um but thank goodness our third try was our fifth or sixth embryo um little Nora was conceived um oh. That was not a smooth pregnancy by any means, but, um, but I felt good. So that mm-hmm. was, that was always, that's always a blessing. Um, we thought we miscarried at 13 weeks because, mm-hmm. oh, you'll love, you'll love this one. So we, um, it was my birthday. Um, <laughs> I was. Say no more. No, I'm just yeah. <laughs> so I was, it was my birthday. I had just turned 30. We had friends over, um, I was 13 weeks pregnant. I was just released from the, um, the, uh, the fertility clinic, ready to go to my regular OB. Um, I was only, my only protocol for medication was baby aspirin. Um, and we were finally cleared for sexual activity again. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Oh, thank goodness. It's been 13 or more long weeks of nothing. So we finally get a chance to have sex again and, Girl, I'm telling you, it was a really good night. Like it was a good <laughs> night. Um, I can imagine. Until, yeah, yeah, it was a really good night until I got up and I was gushing blood. What? Yeah, gushing blood. And so I'm thinking that you're gonna say, you know, I got up and I was spotting, so we went yeah. in. Oh, no, gushing. Um, Dave was obviously had been drinking a lot, so he was a little bit incapacitated. Um, I am just so, so thankful that my sister um, stayed the night with us that night because she had been um, drinking and hanging out with us too. She's not a big drinker. So she had like one cocktail. So mm-hmm. at one o'clock in the morning, I had to wake her up and ask her to drive us to the hospital um, because I was gushing blood. It wasn't stopping. I was going through pad after pad after pad and clots, girl, clots. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like I, if you can imagine, like like tangerine size like I thought I was having like a partial miscarriage or a miscarriage and so we go to the hospital I'm trying to stay calm I'm not even really crying at this point because I'm like I'm already fearing the worst I'm like it's gonna be okay like I'm talking to myself up like it's gonna be all right they're gonna they're just gonna go in there they're gonna see there's not a heartbeat anymore 
it's going to be devastating. They're going to do a DNC and I'll be able to go home tomorrow and everything's going to be okay. And I'm just like trying to breathe and talk myself through it. Like everything's going to be all right. And by God's grace, there was a heartbeat. So little Miss Nora was born a few months later. Like she was full term. She was 41 weeks when she was born. You're like, all right, we waited yeah. for you. And you're yep. like, I'm, I'm sticking here. I know, I know. <laughs> and now Dave and I tell her that we will, we'll talk about it sometimes. But, you know, she's only four. She doesn't quite understand. But we're like, well, we already spent your college tuition. So you're going to get to pay your own college now. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hear I'm going to be working that off, girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, sure. my goodness. Yeah. So with with that scare of you guys having your your sexual activity did that kind of um did that make you scared to try it again or girl the struggle Mm -hmm. yes and quite honestly it wasn't me oh really oh yeah Yeah. Dave was absolutely terrified he did not want to be the cause he felt like he caused it to happen and mm. what it what it actually ended up being was a subchorionic hemorrhage. So there there was a bleed spot between the placenta and the uterus. And oh. with the sexual movement, it moved the placenta enough that it it loosened up and that's what bled. It wasn't the it wasn't the placenta at all. It was just mm. a bleed that had happened against the uterus. So there was a spot between the two um, that ruptured. So that's why there was so much blood and that's why there was so much clotting. Um, but Dave really felt like that scare was his fault. So trying to, you know, do anything, I think we only had to be on like four weeks of, um, of basically pelvic rest. Um, but after that we were clear to go and he was very adamant. We were not doing it until, um, until she was born. Mm, Yeah. So we, we ended up waiting and it was fine. I mean, but I will say, you know, like I know you've experienced with some of your clients too, but you know, trying to get in that groove of of having like just being intimate with your partner again after you've had a baby is very awkward and difficult. You know, like mm-hmm. I didn't even have a vaginal delivery. We tried. Um, she was cesarean, but you know, my my parts were still in working order. Like nothing was like you know ripped or destroyed, which was you know praise God for that again too. But um, even any kind of intercourse felt really weird and almost, Mm -hmm. almost wrong and didn't feel good. Like it took a while before it felt good again. Yeah. Yeah. I can say that. Um, But like on a kind of lighter note, it was a couple of months back on my Facebook. I asked the question about what postpartum sex looked. (laughs) And who one of the girls was like, the, the husband was like, it still feels the same. And she's like, it better. Like I had a C-section. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so funny. Yeah, she was like, wait a minute. I don't know why he thought down there, you know, was going to look different. But okay. <laughs> I, I see that all of the time with a lot of my clients where it's just, it's, it becomes a really difficult thing because the body goes through so many changes yeah. and not you know, just not physically, but emotionally too. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, you, you're just feeling some type of way about everything. And, you know, just like I, I mentioned earlier, you know, especially 
um, my moms that are are breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. You know, they have a they have a really big struggle with that where they in the past like the nipple stimulate stimulation. Now mm-hmm. they're just like, don't even touch me. Um, you know, <laughs> you yeah, know? no, I get that. I I actually I really lo- I love nipple stimulation and it's it's weird because um you know we've I'm, I'm still nursing and she or I shouldn't say she we are still nursing however when we have been intimate at times you know like I feel like I have to keep a bra on or I have to keep a shirt on and it just feels yeah. like I'm hiding or I'm covering up and there mm-hmm. are times where like he'll feel extra frisky and like take it off but then like you know I'll leak or drip on him or something I'll and he's like have- Mm-hmm. yeah and he's like he's like yeah you're gonna have to cover that back up I'm like I know like so it feels weird because I can't even be like free or myself because right. you know my body is still doing things I can't control <laughs> right. Right. um but yeah it is a different sexual experience because we're not fully engaged with each other like we used to be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what do you like what are some of the things you would suggest uh for my listeners that are actually going through this exact experience that y'all mm-hmm. are going through? how would you uh recommend just and I don't, I don't want to use the term keeping it together because that just seems terrible but <laughs> <laughs> you know just kind of running the course right mm-hmm. uh, you know, is there anything that you can suggest to them at all? Yeah, actually. And this is something that I feel like is so important no matter what you're going through, but especially through a time like this where you're trying to conceive or, or actually even trying to decide if you still want to conceive Mm -hmm. is being honest with each other. Mm. And it's so difficult because you feel like there's going to be so much shame and judgment but yeah. your partner should be the person you feel the like, I realize it can be scary at times to voice your truth, but your partner mm-hmm. is the one person that you should be able to spill your guts to, and they're still going to love you anyway. Yeah. So if you were to just say like, I'm having a really hard day. I don't even know if I want to continue doing this. Why are we doing this? Either they can help you, you know, they can help you talk you into it again or talk you out of it. And it just depends on what you're really wanting. Like you have to be honest with yourself first and foremost and you have to be open to communication Um, and that's really really hard in any place that you are in a relationship whether it's brand new whether you've been together for 50 years being honest with each other is so hard and I think what's harder about being honest is trusting yourself and being honest with yourself Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm I like the statement about, you know, being able to spill your guts to your partner, you know, because a lot of people struggle with that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, especially when they're going through something, you know, that could potentially cause a strain on the, on their relationship. It's like, okay, so do I speak up? Do I, I, I keep it to myself, you know, and then you get, you go down this rabbit hole. I don't want to upset them and mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to keep it to myself, but you, you are 100% correct you should be able to tell your partner anything yeah you know it's hard Mm -hmm. I remember that there were difficult there were times where you know I was just like do I really want to do this and I would be afraid to talk to Dave about it because 
I didn't want him to blame me for the financial stress that we're going through because this was my choice. Even mm-hmm. though I know it was our choice, I still felt like I was the sole decider and what we were okay. going to do and when we we're going to go forward. Okay. So like deciding to go through IVF, at what point do we stop doing this? You know, and I, it was like, at what point do we give up? You know, we had, we had 10 embryos. Um, and so we already did three tries. So if those didn't work, we only had two left. And like, is that it? If we try those and it doesn't work, are we done? Because we're kind of tapped out emotionally and financially. And I didn't want to be that person that says, I don't want to continue anymore. But we have these embryos left. And now I'm the reason we have this financial stress. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So voicing those things is, can be really scary, whether that's your fear or not. But it, you have to kind of come back to the realization that you didn't make this choice on your own. Right. If your partner felt really strongly a certain way, they would say something. And if not, then it's on them. You're not Mm -hmm. responsible for their thoughts or their feelings. Ultimately. Yeah. I agree with. We're only responsible for how we react to other people. We're not responsible for how they feel. I agree with that. Oh my goodness. So we have Miss Nora, but in the beginning, you said you have an almost I know and actually when I was saying that I was still nursing I was like oh we've only talked about Nora I hope people don't think I'm nursing my four-year-old um no (laughs) I do have a one we have a one-year-old we um this was a whole other psych like weird psychosis that happened we um ended up we were in a groove you know like Nora's getting older she was like almost three at the time or she was two and a half this is amazing she's getting bigger she's so fun she's potty trained she's almost potty trained overnight Things were going really well. We decided we weren't going to have any more kids, even though I was interested. I, I was open to the opportunity or possibility of having more kids, but we both agreed that we weren't going to go through IVF again. Um, at least we weren't ready. We weren't at the point we we're going to destroy them yet. We were just like, no, we're just not going to go that route. If we get pregnant on our own, whatever, we, it is what it is. But, you know, mm-hmm. likelihood of that happening is pretty slim. Um, well, we decided to um, have a little drunken Christmas party after Christmas party you know get together sexy time and in mid-January I found out I was pregnant <laughs> wow and I tell you what like I've never understood how people can be like upset or ugly crying about a pregnancy but I mm-hmm. totally get it I totally get it like I was I was shocked I mm-hmm. the only reason I took a test was I have um um, diastasis recti or recti so I do oh, have okay. a hernia that is protru- like has protruded from my belly button area and mm-hmm. so that was really sore like it was just tender like almost like if I had been coughing a whole lot like it was sore and mm-hmm. I was like you know I'm just gonna take a test because I remember somebody a while back told me that this is the only reason that she knew she was pregnant was because hers hurt and I was like all right I'm just gonna take a test you know it's I'll waste 12 dollars whatever I'll just go buy some tests and it came back positive and I could not believe it I never more had I wished I'd peed in a cup in my life because I would have tested all of them (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of went through something similar with my second yeah it was very shocking yeah I actually (laughs) this is going to be really funny but I actually only got me and my best friend are really weird okay Mm -hmm. She thought she was pregnant. 
And I was like, girl, I'm going to go ahead and take this test with you, you know, just. <laughs> right, right. So, so you, you know, you know, you know, I, I'm supporting you. <laughs> well, yeah. she wasn't pregnant. <laughs> this is how this was supposed to go. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it's very weird to, okay, it's weird to think. I'm safe, naturally safe. I cannot get pregnant on my own. So we don't have to use protection. We don't have to use condoms. We don't have to get back on the pill. I don't like being on the pill. It makes me feel weird. This is awesome. We don't have to worry about anything anymore. And if we get pregnant on our own, we get pregnant on our own. But, you know, we're not actively trying. I'm not tracking my cycles. You know, it is what it is. You know, we're still in that, like, waking up in the middle of the night phase, like, with the kid. So I'm. we're not even that sexually active right now as a couple. And Mm -hmm. just to randomly get pregnant. And with all the conversations that we had had previously about how we weren't going to have anymore, we were happy with where we were. We were already planning out our life. Like, Oh, we've got a baby. This is amazing. You know, when she's five, we can go to Disney. And when, and when she's six, we can put a pool in and like, we were planning our life mm-hmm. and to get pregnant again, I was terrified. I didn't even call him when I found out because I took the test knowing that it would be false. I took it before yeah. he got home. Yeah. And the first call I made was to one of my girlfriends. I'm just sobbing. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, can't even talk. I had to FaceTime her. And I was like, showed her the test. And she was like, that's a positive. And I was like, yep. And of course she was excited. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, do I have to tell Dave? <laughs> she was like, what are you talking about? Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, but he is, I don't, I don't know how he's going to react. You know, he, he's been adamant about not having any more. And I'm excited. I'm like, I'm happy. I'm shocked right now. Like I ugly cried for a couple of days. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And it took a few days before me, before I was like excited about it. And it was funny to me because even after, you know, a couple of months of being pregnant, people would ask me, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm pregnant. And they're like, what? That's so exciting. I'm like, uh-huh. Okay. Like yeah. I just, mm-hmm. I mean, I was getting more excited about it, but going through the process of fertility and this is just my, my own thought process. I, I believed I was pregnant because I could see the ultrasound. I could feel her kicking. I had the heartburn. I had the constant urination, like all the things that happen. However, Mm -hmm. I was on constant edge with every milestone. Like, okay, when we hit 24 weeks, we're going to have a viable pregnancy. So if this baby is delivered right the second, there's a 75% chance she's going to survive. If we make it to 32 weeks, she's got a 50% chance of making it. If we make it all the way to four, if we make it to 36 weeks, she's going to make it. Like there's like a 98% chance of her surviving. Like every single thing was a milestone. So I didn't believe it that I was having a child until she was on my chest or until the moment we were rolling into the OR. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet my baby. And I like bald like a baby. But with Palmer, I felt the same thing. I was like, okay, I know we got pregnant on our own, but because we didn't go through the whole process of it, it felt I was very disconnected from it. It's weird. It was a weird thing for me. Up a whole bunch of other stuff too, right? Yeah. Like, oh, you know, we didn't have to go through this entire process. Um, something isn't going to go right. What's going to mm-hmm. happen? Mm-hmm. You know, sure. because I, you know, I've known people um, that have, you know, had um, problems with trying to conceive, and they've suffered miscarriages and even really late pregnancy losses and one they've you know they refuse 
tell people in the beginning that, you know, they're pregnant because they just don't want to go through, you know, the motions of having to tell someone that they aren't pregnant again, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, even the the milestone thing, until we have completely birthed a live baby, and they're screaming and hollering on the chest, it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I can imagine that, you know, bringing up a, a, a whole different set of stuff, okay. you know, with, okay, well, this seems too good to be true, kind of. Yeah, like, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was really weird. And then the other questions come up of like, okay, well, why do we have to go through so much? You know, all the why questions start coming up, right? Like, why do we have to go through so much to have Nora? Why was this pregnancy so much easier? And I'm like, okay, well, obviously, this girl is supposed to be here. Another girl named Palmer. Obviously, mm-hmm. she was meant to be here. And I'm like, but obviously, Nora was meant to be here. Yeah. Because yeah. even the doctor told me, too, like, there's only so much man can do to get you pregnant. Yeah. Like, it's it's really up to God. Like, And he's the only creator, if you if you believe, if you, if you are a subscriber to that notion. Like, he's the ultimate creator. So whether this baby lives or not is not is not in any of our control. Mm. so mm-hmm. I know in my heart of hearts too that she was meant to be here and the only conceivable thing that my human brain can wrap my head around the only reason why we had to go through that whole process was so I can tell my story mm. that's I, and I'm really really happy that you are telling your story but you know it I'll never say that I'm happy that somebody went through everything but I really do believe you know, telling your stories is not only healing for yourself, mm-hmm. but no idea how many people out there need to hear these stories mm-hmm. because they really do feel like they're by themselves and nobody is, you know, no one's out there understanding them. Mm-hmm. You know, the, yeah, I, I do. I, I thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're welcome. Well, there's a lot of people that just don't have a support system. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure there's a woman out there, maybe even listening to this right now, that hasn't told her parents that they're going through this. Yeah. Or or that, you know, and, and honestly, the thought just came to my mind, like, there's probably a same-sex couple out there trying yeah. to go through this that isn't telling anybody because they don't want to get shamed into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's just so heartbreaking. And I want them to know that there are so many loving, genuinely loving and caring people that are cheering them on. There are endless support groups and there are, I'm, there's me and there's hundreds of other women that are more than welcome to share their stories and to be a shoulder to cry on because we've been there. We, we may not a hundred percent understand their story because we can't understand each other's feelings. However, I completely empathize with people going through this you know it's so hard to uh, what's the word to like really feel like you're connected to somebody when you're going through any kind of issue yeah I and you know you just mentioned same-sex couples and um you know that that's a conversation that I'm I'm sure like you said, it's, it's really hard. It's probably really hard for them going through this and trying to have this conversation with people because, you know, they're honestly, let, let's keep it real. There are some not so nice people mm-hmm. out there. 
Yep. And and now that you mention it, just I honestly, I generally don't. I'm not the I'm a delete you off Facebook type of person. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I did the other day, mm-hmm. uh, only because there was a the, you know the whole debate of you know man and woman were were brought here to create, and if you're not creating, it's because you're doing things wrong. And you know, I was just like, oh my. Mm-hmm. And it, it was in reference to same-sex couples. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you can't have babies because, you know, God said you couldn't have babies. And I'm like, no, like, what are you doing? Yeah. So, you know, when, when those type of conversations are happening, I just cannot be a part of them. Yeah, um, I agree. You know, because then I'm, I'm really questioning what type of person you are. And I'm just not going to put myself, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. in any like that you know but yeah thank you yeah. for uh, that up too because yeah. you know I I can see that being being really hard you know it's oh, my goodness so we are almost at the end girl can you believe it? it's been an hour I can't believe it <laughs> I love these it these conversations go so quickly I know um, I just have one other question. I know I asked you before if there was anything else you'd like um, our our people to know. Mm-hmm. Did we miss anything? Did I miss anything about the conversation you feel like I need to understand better or, you know, the listeners need to understand better? Any resources? You know, um, I think the only thing that I would add is if you know somebody going through this, um, you know, they're trying to conceive or, um, or they're, or they're deciding they're not going to have kids. I have two things. Mm -hmm. First of all, somebody else's uterus is not your business. Mm. Yes. Okay. Um, second of all, the other thing is the only thing you can do is, as I know, most of us, especially as friends or family members, or even just lovers of people, you know, we want to be supportive of people going through, especially trying to conceive. Mm Mm-hmm. Or I should say anything, really. I mean, we're just trying to be supportive. Mm-hmm. Really, the, the only thing that anybody wants to hear when they're going through it is that you see them, you see their struggle, and that you love them. Mm. You know, they don't yeah. want to hear everything happens in God's timing. They don't want to hear everything happens for a reason. They don't want to hear, um, oh, it's meant to be, it'll happen. They definitely don't want to hear, oh, just relax. Mm-hmm. You know that everything happens in God's timing. I actually got that. Um, Ariana, my oldest kiddo, is actually a rainbow, rainbow mm-hmm. baby. Yay! Um, I, I, I mean, like I was rolling out the ER DNC type deal, mm-hmm. and that was one of the first things I heard. And I was like, "Really? You thought mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. to tell me that? No, yeah. no, thank you." Yeah, when mm-hmm. when some time has passed, you know, the person that goes through something can look back and go, okay, I can see how God's timing was yeah. perfect in that. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, it doesn't feel good. And even if you are a really strong subscriber and believer, it's just, it's really hard to hear in the moment that there's yeah. a bigger purpose for something. Even if you know it and like deep way down, you don't want to hear it. You just want to hear like, I'm here for you and I support you and I love you. Mm-hmm. that's perfect yeah. that is perfect well Carrie 
thank you so much, girl. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. It was really enlightening um, just because, you know, I saw you when you were pregnant with Palmer and I had no idea. Like we were planning a whole gala. I know. I know it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Let me just apologize right now because I didn't catch it. You know, I. You know, I guess you just you you make the assumption, and I'm I'm gonna speak for myself. I made the assumption that because I knew your story about Nora, that Palmer was just always a joyous occasion, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But you just you just make that assumption, like they yeah. they're struggling. Now they're having babies all freely, yay! Yeah. But, you know it's. It's, it's definitely not like that. And I, you're not the first person that I learned, that I personally learned that from. Um, there, there's another family out there that kind of went through the same thing. It was like, you know, we tried so long for our first and somehow we ended up with the second. And, you know, we, we don't know how we feel about this. Yeah. So, um, Oh, wow. Yeah. So. You know, it's so funny. I'm going to add one thing and, and you can um, you can take it as you will. But one thing that I've, I've heard recently that one of my mentors is writing a book. So um, I'm not going to plug her necessarily. But one thing that she always hated hearing when she was going through things was at least you look good. <gasps> have you have you gotten that? Like, yeah. oh, I'm, I know you're going through PPD, but at least you look good. Like, because that's what matters, that my hair is clean and my teeth are brushed. Like, that's what right. matters right now. Like, <laughs> there is more serious issues going on than at least I look good. And exactly. I just get that. You know, you get that sometimes. And, you know, yeah. I would, you know, be feeling, you know, down or off or just whatever it was. And someone would say, like, well, at least you look good. I'm like, mm. oh, so I'm glowy. Yeah, that's um that's because I just puked. I'm 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 sweaty. <laughs> Thank you, you know. Right, right, right. So it's, right. it's interesting. One of the larger organizations did run an entire campaign, you know, when when you just mentioned PPD, one of the larger organizations ran an entire campaign about you know, exactly what does this look like? And, you yeah. know, you know, at the campaign, there, there are women hair done, makeup on. Mm-hmm. And I've even posted a picture of myself when I had, I, like, well, when I say, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. PPD, I got this big old smile on my face. And, like, no, nobody, it, mm-hmm. it so stop with yep. the, yeah. at least, right? yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, girl. Well, I am not going to hold you any longer because I know you have to be with your family. (laughs) (laughs) Again, I just want to thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I'm I'm so so much. Welcome. I'm so excited to see everything that you have going on. So, bye. Bye. Bye.